listeners. This is Tara Gleason, the producer. First of all, we are trying some new things over the next couple of weeks. I want you to drop in the comments what you thought about the intro music today. And I'm going to be trying out some different ones over the next couple of weeks. So let me know. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Liked it. Like the old stuff. Like the new stuff. So join us in trying out some new things on the podcast and tell us in our comments what you think. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous support provided by Military Spouses Club of Albany, Georgia. Listen in on this parent chat of two friends of mine where they are going to talk about scholarships. It is college scholarship season, so if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, listen in as Susan and Happy share some tips and tricks that they've learned over the years with their own children as they have started filling out college scholarships. Hey everybody, I want to say hello to the fellow listeners to the podcast for the sake of the child. This is Susan Sellers, one of your hosts, and it's scholarship season. So I thought I would take just a few minutes and kind of chat about my family's experience with applying for scholarships for our eldest, who is now a college freshman. And I thought it would be great, though, if you could have another voice joining me today. So I pulled in my teammate uh, from MSEC webinars, Happy Garner, and she's also going to chit chat with me a little bit about her experience in regards to scholarships. So before we kind of dive into it, though, Happy, for the listeners that aren't familiar with your background, can you just share a little bit about your family um, and let the listeners know? A little bit about that. I certainly can. Thank you for having me, Susan. So uh, my name is Happy Garner, and I work with Susan on the webinar team here with MSEC. I am the spouse of an active duty soldier. We've been married for 20 years, and we have four children. Just as Susan, my oldest is a college freshman, so we've just worked through the college scholarship applications with her last year. And then my second oldest is actually a high school senior this year, so we are in the thick of it for him right now. And then we'll get a little bit of a break, and I have two younger ones that are currently in the eighth and sixth grades. Well, I have to say, um, you know, we also have three kids, not not the fourth yet, but um, probably not the fourth at all. <laughs> but it's been a great learning experience to kind of take what we've gone through with our, you know, current college freshman, and we have a junior, so he's going to be a senior next year. So I really feel like it's a great learning opportunity, whether your kids are in eighth grade, ninth grade, or even as a senior to start kind of paying attention because it's scholarship season again. I, I can't believe it. Can you? No. And no, it's gone by way too fast. <laughs> it, it, it really has. And I've, I've noticed on the Facebook pages, that's where I got the idea of us just kind of chatting. You know, people are asking, like, how do you start? Where do you, where do you look? Um, what resources, particularly for our military family? So I thought, why don't we just go over a couple of things that we experienced in an effort to help those families that are maybe starting out? So last year when you started the search, Happy, how did you get started in looking for scholarships for Hannah? So, um, gosh, so we kind of started with actually, you know, looking in our local community. We started with local organizations um, as well as any professional organizations my husband might have been a part of. But I will say the very, very first starting point was reaching out to her guidance counselor. Um, We're very fortunate that our high school actually has a guidance counselor page designated to seniors. 
and they will actually list scholarships by the month that they're due by. So you can go in and actually click on each month and see scholarships that are there and, you know, click on them. It has the application attached. So we really had a huge help with our guidance department in that aspect. That's fantastic. That kind of reminds me of one of the sources we used, which was Road to College. And it's actually Road, the number two college, I think it's .com or .org. I'll double check and make sure we put that in the show's notes, but they do the same thing. So I signed up for their website and they send out monthly lists of different types of scholarships. So we could kind of start learning about what's out there, what was available for Hudson. I have to say though, it's going to probably sound like a shameless plug for MSEC, but I watched our, our scholarship webinar yeah. um, that you know we published last year. I don't know, I was a part of that. And then the year before we've also published it, but being completely new to the scholarship process and how it worked, you know, going and using that webinar. And I think uh, our listeners can find that at militarychild.org backslash webinars, if you're yes. interested. And it's called Scholarship and Grants. That was just so helpful. And I think you really pulled some information from that site as well. Yes. And, and that's a great resource. And there's even actually um, a handout resource for that that gives a bunch of the web links and stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. That, I think that handout's worth its weight in gold. I still have it. Uh, it's about five pages and it goes into not only tips about scholarships, but it even lists specific ones for military. I, I I'm pretty sure I'm going to need to download another copy uh, for <laughs> William next year because I've made so many different notes. And yep. um, we did the same thing. We started, once I listened to the webinar, we started locally just because your competition pool is a little bit smaller. Not that national scholarships are not great, but for us, we wanted to make the most of our time and really invest in those where the competition pool was a little smaller. So we reached out to the guidance counselor. Our school did not quite have the same foundation of scholarship information that you mentioned. So I actually went and started looking at other high schools in the area. I went on their websites to their guidance counselors' uh, websites and started pulling off scholarship information that those competing schools, you know, here in our area were sharing to glean some of the other ideas, which was super helpful for us. Um, well, and, you know, speaking to starting their local in your community, that's also the, that community is also who knows your student, like your students been involved in that community. Their um, letters of reference are going to be coming from pillars in that community. So you're starting local because that's who knows your student. They know your child on the national level. They really are literally just an application, but they're in your local community. They can put a name with a face and that makes it so much um, more um, for them to be able to do that. Oh, no, I, com I completely agree. And even reaching back to the guidance counselor, you know, they they should have information about scholarships and because they know your child, they can even pull up the scholarships maybe that were awarded to the previous class because that was one of the things we did. I said, hey, share with me the previous students. What scholarships did they win? Uh, you know, which ones were awarded? And so we were able to sit and go through and say, okay, our son is, a, you know, eligible for these scholarships and and try to narrow down that search just a little bit. There's so many military scholarships out there that people can get, you know, a little overwhelmed or, you know, am I still eligible is just because it's need based versus merit based. How did you guys kind of navigate whittling down which specific ones you wanted to apply to? 
Well, we really made sure because I mean, a lot of them did have fine print. It was, you know, you know, you start out thinking, gosh, my you know, my daughter's a straight A student. She's ranked. She's got great test scores. You know, she does all this community service. But a lot of times on those scholarships, there's going to be those fine lines. Um, a lot of them that ranked need before merit, I will admit, we did not submit those because we kind of knew where we fell on the FAFSA chart when we filled that out. Mm -hmm. um, but we did fill out a lot. Um, and there were some that ranked need first and we still submitted to those, but there were some that we kind of automatically, you know, weeded ourselves out. We looked at the essay questions that, cause that is a huge time consuming part of it. Um, making sure we felt like it was something that she could, um, you know, flourish with that essay. She was going to, that was going to, she could sell that essay, so to speak, because if it was a topic that she just wasn't feeling good about and, you know, the, the scholarship, she was like, I'm not, you know, we made sure she put the other ones first, if that makes sense, kind of ranked the priority of them to where she felt comfortable with them. And we started with those first and then we kind of closed in with the other ones. Um, so, I mean, it is, those essays are huge on the scholarships, just like they are on their college applications. So make sure you keep all those essays because you can definitely tweak them for your scholarship applications for sure. Oh, absolutely. I was, I was actually surprised how many scholarships required essays. You know, I thought there was kind of a push um, moving away from the essay, but we, we did something very, very similar. We created a spreadsheet. And so once we had done the research, and looked for scholarships. I think there was a total of maybe 15 yeah. that we had found that we wanted to apply to. We wrote down like all the requirements, you know, do they require a letter of recommendation? If so, how many and from who? Uh, do they have an essay? Is it a renewable scholarship? Meaning that all he has to do is renew for it next year or does he have to apply again? And then once we put all that information down, then we did the same thing. We looked at the essay prompts and then we kind of ranked them uh, in terms of the ones that were most time consuming versus the ones that were maybe easier or less time co time consuming to fill out. And then that's kind of how we prioritized it because, yeah. you know, you do want to make good use of your time um, and sort of maximize your chances. And if, if, you know, one scholarship's asking for five letters of recommendation and the award is maybe $250, that, that may not be a good, you know, a good use of your time or the time of those that you're asking for, for those letter of recommendations. Right. Um, I agree. So with the letter of recommendations, I know some people are always curious, like, who do you ask? How do you ask them? Um, you know, suggestions. Do you guys, do you have any feedback or uh, suggestions that you guys had in terms of the letter of recommendation? As a military family, we actually moved to our current community when my daughter was going into her junior year, my son was going to her sophomore year. So fortunately they still had time to establish some local um, relationships with teachers, coaches, and people in the community. Um, I, we found that some of the scholarship applications were actually um, specific. They wanted an English teacher, a math teacher, mm -hmm. and someone who you served, someone who, you know, you served in leadership, someone who can vouch for your leadership skills, or, you know, because she's a swimmer, they wanted one from her coach. Um, so some of them were very specific and some of them actually left it up to you. So that's kind of, you know, almost a spreadsheet moment too. You kind of go through and say, hey, you know, what teachers did I excel with? What teachers did I have growth in? during the year in their class, you know, you kind of have to decide and then kind of knowing the teacher or the coach or the guidance counselor or pastor, knowing that person, are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to speak well on my behalf? 
And probably the most important thing we learned when we were submitting for letters of recommendation was being able to give them the um, resume. Like my children needed, mm -hmm. students needed resumes. That way they could put that in front of the person. They knew them as a person, but here were some aspects of my child that they didn't know from the school life. So that helped them complete that letter of recommendation for them. I'm so glad you mentioned the resume because I, I do think that that's a great resource. Um, we even started putting one together for our middle son who's in a junior because mm -hmm. hopefully it'll make it a little bit easier starting next year, his senior year. But, uh, you know, the, the people that you're asking, you know, they're a, they're probably being asked to write letters of recommendations for multiple students. And yes, they do know your student, but having that resume there, they can pull specific things to note in that recommendation so that it stands out. Right. And we even with the the scholarships that we found when we would send the request i would send a little blurb about what that scholarship was looking for or hudson would do that or you know um, what was something that they could sort of identify in hudson that resonated with the mission of the scholarship um, to just make those letters or recommendation a little bit more personal so i agree with that completely mm -hmm. yes so i know i'm i we get a break this year before uh, william <laughs> starts but you are actually no. <laughs> you have it back to back so grayson though is going a different route he decided to do the rotc scholarship and I don't know anything about that and I would love to hear uh, just a little bit more like how is that different than applying to you know other outside scholarships like what experiences have you you guys encountered with us so it was quite different so obviously with my husband being the active duty service member um, I really kind of pushed a lot of the pressure of finding out all the information on him because that's kind of what they know. That's their, you know, hey, this is Army related. Can you help us out with this? So he's, we actually, initially my son thought he was interested in a service academy. Um, so when we kind of sat down and talked about that, we talked about, well, what if the service academy isn't what you think it's going to be? How about ROTC? And the minute he said, yes, I would like to consider that too, we started looking for that as well. And we actually started the process the summer before his junior year, looking into stuff. Because, I mean, you really have to get a, a, a jump on all of that. Because, number one, they're so competitive. And number two, there's a lot of requirements that are needed for them. So we actually started doing all the research the summer before his junior year. Um, kind of getting, you know, his thoughts together and then started researching ROTC programs. Um, you know, what are you look, because every ROTC program is run a little bit different as well at the university. So kind of trying, to, so not only did we, are we looking for a school, but we're looking for a program within a school. Some of the things that, you know, we even mentioned letters of recommendation. Um, we had to have all of those by the end of his junior year because the ROTC scholarship process starts the summer before their senior year. So oh, it's wow. almost like you're about almost nine to 12 months ahead of the normal scholarship process, um, you know, and things like, you, you know, you had to make sure you had that ACT and SAT score. There's a lot of different components for it that aren't involved in a regular. And then there's a timeline. So his packet had to be in in October, early October. So that's a lot earlier than scholarships right now. So we really had to backdate that a lot. 
and we, you know, we had to kind of um, put a little bit of pressure on our guidance counselor who was great to work with, but, you know, we had to tell them, hey, these timelines are firm. So it's really important um, having that spreadsheet and knowing the timelines, especially for these, because um, they actually do with the ROTC scholarship, they do a couple of different boards, but in that first board setting is where they give out a lot of those four-year scholarships. So you want your packet competitive and you want it in on that first look. So that was just, you know, really, especially this summer, that's hard during the summer when you've got someone that's going to be a rising senior and they don't want to do anything. You're like, oh, we got to do this. Absolutely. So that was the toughest part. <laughs> well, and it, and it sounds like the, you know, the scholarship deadline for the ROTC is falling in the same time for applications for college. Yes. So on top of trying to get college applications and doing the Common App, you're also working on that ROTC scholarship. Right. So um, that's really interesting. So I'm, I'm curious, what would you share with someone who's just getting ready to start the process? Now that you've done it, and um, we have to do a little shout out, Grayson has been given several opportunities, and what, uh, what did he end up deciding to do, and what did he end up getting awarded? Um, so he was actually awarded one of the four-year ROTC scholarships. Um, so we're very excited about that. There was only about 200 children that, or 200 oh, wow. kids, young adults actually, that were awarded that opportunity from that October board. Um, he submitted his first three schools. So he was awarded one for Clemson, Penn State, and NC State. Um, and it's kind of a little bit of a backwards process for us because we found out he was awarded the scholarship, but we hadn't heard from any of the schools yet. Um, oh, he, okay. So he has been, he just found out he was accepted into Penn State. So we're waiting for Clemson and NC State, which should be February timeframe. Um, okay. But probably, a, you know, some of the things that, number one, when you find out that you have been awarded a scholarship, you have a very, very small window for them to go into their portal and actually accept it. And you have to designate that scholarship. Like um, his first choice was Clemson. So even though he hasn't heard from Clemson, he said, I would like to accept the scholarship for Clemson University. Um, should something happen and he decides to go to another school, he has to put in for a transfer of that scholarship. So there was a lot of, you know, things we had to look at because you only can submit your top five choice, um, top three choices when you submit your ROTC scholarship. Some other things that, of course, my husband knew more about and definitely he was handling was you have to submit a PT test with your scholarship application. So that has to be done, um, especially with all the changes in the PT tests and stuff. So you have to you have to organize that in your local community, get someone to do that for you and report in the scores. We talked about the letters of recommendation and the standardized test. Another part of the ROTC scholarship application is you have to actually do a face-to-face -face interview with a current PMS, ROTC PMS at a university. Historically, you would submit certain parts of your application and then they would email you back and say, um, well, because we're in Virginia, they would possibly would have emailed us back and say, hey, you can choose to meet with the PMS at ODU, VMI, Virginia Tech, or et cetera, but with COVID, obviously that was not happening. So we had the opportunity where we could kind of figure out what school we wanted to do that interview with. So he did that at one of the schools that he was applying for. And then that PMS interviewed him it was about an hour, hour and 15 minutes over the phone. And then he submitted his thoughts and write up on that interview to the ROTC board. So they actually have someone who's speaking, you know, with the, the applicant and vouching for the applicant basically. 
Wow, that's really interesting. I, I automatically am thinking, you know, with all this information, we probably could collaborate <laughs> on a webinar specific to ROTC scholarships or, or uh, even applying you know, to the service academies and ROTC even apply. Yes, I think yeah. you just tapped into a new topic for us. So uh, for our listeners, hey, be on the lookout. I think Kathy <laughs> and I are going to research uh, a new webinar specific to this. And I, I do want to touch on one thing that you mentioned early on, but it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, more than what are the deadlines. Yes. Um, you know, there's so many deadlines going on. You know, our parents, I know they've they've probably already been through this with college applications, but the same goes for scholarships. So we found it super helpful. And I'm curious if you did something similar. We actually had a dry erase board. I put it in the kitchen because everybody's in the kitchen always. And we wrote down deadlines and we did deadlines for uh, self-imposed things. Like we want to get letters, letters of recommendation by this date. And then we also included the deadline for particular scholarships because some scholarships would say it just needs to be postmarked by this date. Other scholarships were very specific in saying they need to be received by this particular date. And yeah. so we found that dry erase board what we needed to stay on top of. We kind of did ours a little bit different. We actually have a, um, Hannah did it and Grayson's doing it. We just used the old fashioned, I'm very much a paper and pencil person. Mm -hmm. So we used a spiral bound notebook where we would, and you could probably use a a three ring binder would maybe work a little bit easier, but we would print off the application and that went in there. And then we would keep track of the dates on the piece of paper with the application and then kind of highlight them as they went, we went by. Um, that's, that was the easier track for us. Um, but, you know, whatever works for you, but definitely having that visual so you can see it. And, you know, with our teens, they think, oh, that's two days away. I'm good. But it's like, no, we need to do this right now. <laughs> so, you you know, it's really, you know, we, we want our kids to be independent, but you know, it's really one of those things where we're letting them do it, but we are definitely there guiding them step by step. Because this is, you know, this could be potentially free money for them to pay for their college education. So it's, you know, it's definitely worth you kind of looking over their shoulders and pushing them and guiding them the whole way for sure. Oh, I agree completely. We jokingly said it was a, a job for the both of us, but oh, yeah. you know, it's it paid in the end because, you know, we were awarded scholarships and that helped mm -hmm. to, you know, go uh, to the cost of tuition. So I, I have to share the one story with our listeners as we wrap up. Just one of a lesson learned on my part. It was It's a little painful, um, but now that we understand it, I think we'll be a little more cautious and it's called scholarship displacement. And I think I told Happy about this a little bit. So, you know, we did our due diligence, we researched, found scholarships that um, Hudson was eligible for, and he was awarded, I think he ended up getting awards from 10 different scholarships. So we were so excited. We're like, oh my goodness, our EFC, our expected family contribution, it's going to go down to basically nothing. This is, you know, we're going to split even. We were just so happy. And then we found out will not apply it to your EFC, but they will in turn reduce your institutional aid that your that your students being given. So what I mean by this is the money that um, Hudson received in his outside scholarship, it did go to to fray his work study. It actually went back and reduced the institutional aid. So that hurt a little bit. Um, so I feel like I want to let everybody know that when you're doing research with scholarships, also check your school and see how they handle those outside scholarships because, Absolutely. yeah, 
you you may be thinking, oh, my EFC is going down. In reality, it's not. So um, certainly not to discourage you, but it just teaches you to be a little bit more strategic. Hey, and I will throw in one more um, tip that um, obviously you can go back and do it, but you know, when you do um, in the fall, so you've probably already, if you've got a high school senior, you would have already done it. When you fill out that FAFSA form, go ahead and print off a couple of copies when it asks you if you want to print, because we did actually apply to two local scholarships that required Hannah to submit her FAFSA with the scholarship. So, you know, always, you know, keep a couple of copies of that as well. It's another thing we learned stays on file because you can start to tweak them. I think your, your students will start to see themes with a lot of the essay questions. So hopefully today, uh, Happy and I have given you guys just a couple of ideas that we hope that you can use with your student when it comes to scholarships. Um, what I will do is put in the show's notes, I will include the link to the webinar for scholarships and grants, as well as the site Road to College, which is another great, um, and it has a lot of military specific information, a lot of scholarship information, as well as um, Military Family Magazine. They just published 35 scholarships a military student should consider applying to. So, but uh, happy, thanks so much for just with me today. I really appreciate it. And um, I know we just want to wish everybody good luck uh, and may the yes. odds ever be in your scholarship favor. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Don't forget to drop us a note down in the comments, letting us know what you thought about this week's intro and closing music. I'm going to be trying out a few different ones over the next couple of weeks, and I'd love to hear your feedback. This is the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition, and today's episode has been sponsored by Military Spouses Club of Albany, Georgia. You can listen to this podcast and those archived by topic when you subscribe and download at Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. MSEC supports all military-connected children by educating, advocating, and collaborating to resolve education challenges associated with the military lifestyle. Learn more about our partnerships, programs, and initiatives at militarychild.org. And follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for the latest on our enduring mission to serve the children of those who serve us all. Until next time, thanks for listening.